Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Racing Only Better podcast ahead of the big weekend. A very big weekend indeed, specifically at Haydock, where it is, of course, Betfair Chase Day. The whole card is sponsored by Betfair and five of their races are on ITV's main channel from Haydock. And of course, the Betfair Chase is the big one. That's the one we're looking forward to. We're also going to be covering the three races from Ascot on this podcast and one race from Ireland. So it's a very busy Saturday of sport on ITV racing. And as I said, it's on the main terrestrial channel so we're going to give plenty of winners. It's going to get plenty of coverage. Don't forget, before I go any further, the offer this weekend is a completely free bet on racing multiples this weekend. But you need to read the T's and C's. You need to opt in and you need to do it responsibly. So that is the offer this weekend. The boys have joined me as always. We have Dan Barber, Daryl Carter and Tony Calvin. And we're going to dive straight in with TC and Weather Watch. Please, TC's feeling a little under the weather, which he did warn us about last week. And things have only got worse for you, TC. But how's the weather looking more importantly than your health? Yeah, um, I think we could be looking at nearly good ground at Ascot. Um, it's um, currently good good to soft in places there and it's dry forecast um punch down looks to be soft to heavy uh, they got a bit of rain around today but they're dry as well friday saturday it seems and haydock uh, we could even be looking at good to soft on hurdles and the chase course now i'd have thought that as a thousand poke at the start of the week when it was heavy soft in places on the chase course but all the rain disappeared on monday afternoon from the forecast uh, and it's held true i think there's a little bit of rain around today but yeah, I think we could be looking at very, very decent ground in late November terms for, for both of the domestic meetings. Well, how lovely. That is music to not only our ears, but obviously plenty of horses connections as well. Good, proper, safe racing ground is exactly what we want. Daryl, very quick mention to you because new series, uh, The Road to Chelten. No, what do we call it? Cheltenham Only Better. Cheltenham Only Better is back. Yeah. Uh, this it was back this week. First episode back this week. Obviously, building up to the Cheltenham Festival. How was that particular podcast, Daryl? Fantastic. Myself, Natalie Green, and Kevin Blake uh, ran through uh, the week that was. Looked at the Champion Chase and looked at the, some of the Betfair sportsbook markets for the Cheltenham Festival. Cracking, cracking podcast. Really enjoyed it. It's going to get a bit punchy, I think, between me and Kev with our different opinions over the few weeks. But yeah, yeah, it was brilliant stuff. You can scrap that, Blakey, with his record, Daryl's. But Daryl can throw them as well. Yeah, lovely, <laughs> lovely. Good scrap on. We like that. And Dan Barber, the last time I saw or spoke to you, you were filling me in on a whole load of gossip down at oh Chelsea. Oh, my God. What you, a, you were completely what out a, of control, Dan. What a misrepresentation of that situation. Uh, let's move on. TC, for that, you, you can start. We will kick off with the 115, please, TC. Obviously, up at Haydock, where the best of the racing is. And this is the best odds on the Betfair Exchange handicap hurdle. It's the class two. It's over two miles, three furlongs. And we have 10 runners in here for a very good, a decent enough prize pot. And at the moment, Park Hill Dancer for Nicky Henderson is just favourite over Khan Funnock for the Crawford Yard. Daryl Jacob in the saddle at four to one. Uh, Fingles Hill in there is, is around the sixes mark. Those are the top three in the market. Khan Funnock is the horse who I think we all expected at Perth that he'd relish the step up in trip. And that didn't quite come to fruition. So it's back down in trip for him today, TC. No, yeah, I think Stuart Crawford might win this, but he won't be with that one. Oh, Park Annunciade, uh, sevens with the sports book, which is the biggest price out there. Um, yeah, I, I think he's got an excellent chance. Now, at the five day stage, he was carrying nine nine and was seven pounds at the handicap, and the rates went up eight pounds at the overnight stage, which means he's now in the weights at 10 stone three. And Ben Bromley's taken up another five. I gather he can do nine twelve. Uh, so I wouldn't be worried about him being the nominal second string because Daryl Jacob can't do 10 stone free. Um, so uh, it, and it wouldn't surprise me if Park and Unchase actually went a lot shorter than Khan Funnock. But the, the case rooms, um, you know, pretty simple. You know, he won at air last time. Uh, on the face of it, the five pound rise for a neck win was was a bit harsh. But the thirds come out and won at Fakenham by about 18 lengths on on Tuesday. Uh, and this is a very lightly raised horse. Um, I was there and I can't remember what it was. <laughs> yeah, he's a, a very lightly raised horse. He's a five-year-old just having his fifth start over hurdles. And 
I like the fact that he is stepping up to two mile three for the first time. Now he did blow out. Well, he did empty out over an extended two mile one at Sligo in June, but he got a really aggressive ride by Ben Bromley there. And I, and I don't think that's really representative of his form. That said, the winner's got actually got yeah actually the winner who he met off levels there has actually won his next uh, one two starts since has now rated one hundred and thirty one. So a mark of one hundred and fourteen. I think there's I think there's plenty of upside to that, and I like the step up in trip because he's by a legend winner in Mass Marvel out of a mare who's day three mile two. So I think the step up to two mile three for the first time will suit as well. Um, yeah, I really like Park Annunciate and I've had a good go on him already at 15 to 2 and 7s. All right, lovely start to the show. A strong view on a set. Well, I think like you say, what people will perceive as the second string, but that's interesting. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jacob can't do 10-3. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Daryl, let's bounce over to you then. Are you with the ones near the top of the market, Park Hill Dancer being the favourite currently, or are you looking away from the, the favourite here? Well, I was going to be a Park Hill dancer, but Tony's oh. terrified me of that strong case he's just made there because <laughs> mine's, mine's just a bit loose, really. It wasn't an overly strong opinion, but I like what Tony's just said there. Yeah, T- Daryl Jacobs' lowest rider weight is 10.8, I think, in the last 12 months. So I'd be surprised if he could get down as low as 10.3. But Park Hill dancer's just progressive. Um, couldn't settle last season. Uh, was very keen. They, then they tried going up and trip to three miles. Just didn't work. Just... Just didn't stay the trip, really. Bit of a speedball, this horse. Won a couple of his races in sprint finishes and showed a smart turn of foot. Um, goes well fresh. I particularly like the, the run fresh in December last year when chasing home Shantico Classico. They got into a right good battle a long way out and Shantico Classico just outstayed him over two, two and a half miles on, on what was deteriorating ground that day. But I thought it was a decent run. Shantico Classico is a, a 141-rated chaser now. Um, one next time out after that market racing win as well. Um, and I just like the way that Park Hill Dance has been progressing throughout last season. Uh, ended uh, on a high, so hopefully can return this season and uh, and continue that progression off a, a fair mark of one, two, three. But it wasn't an overly strong opinion, and I do like the case of Tony's mate. <laughs> You've been worried out of it by TC. Mm. Um Dan Barber, did you have an overly strong opinion in this race? Anything further away from those at the top of the market? The likes of Luna Power last seen on the flat, having that first run for Donald out of Noel Mead's yard and a couple of course and distance winners in there at bigger double-figure prices as well? Yeah, I can I can definitely see the case for the top horse. I might be minded to back him. I don't know what to make of the trainer change. I don't know how to where I'd place McCain up against Mead in a head-to-head, but he's a classy flat horse, this. He ran to 90-odd of the time from figures on his most recent spin on the flat. Won a competitive handicap hurdle prior to that. Kavanagh's claiming three. Yeah, there's an element that might be a big-ass first time back. Um, Tony's mentioned a horse who I saw up at Perth. Um, another one of my regular haunts is Cartmel, obviously, and I'm looking at Luttrell Lad's Cartmel form. I just wonder if this... This horse might be about to take off now because he was a very good bumper horse for Philip Hobbs. I think he might have finished fourth in a champion bumper, or an entry bumper, sorry. And he just took time, didn't really click, had a pretty quiet season, started on a mark in the mid-130s. I think he went off 6-1 to one for a Swinton off a mark in the mid-130s. He went down in the weights. The Cartmel form for Cartmel has worked out really well because Oogie Oogie Oogie's now rated £12 higher, the runner-up. He absolutely slashed up at Warwick. A couple of runs after that. And the third horse has franked it as well. Um, Lacey, three of his last four have, win- have won, including one today. So, mm. And there's one about to run at three o'clock. So we might get an even greater guy. But yeah, um, I-, I mainly like Luttrell Lad, but I can see where you're coming from with the top horse, Vanessa. Okay. Uh Dan, I will stick with you then as we move on to the graduation chase, the Betfair Exchange graduation chase over the two miles at five and a half furlongs. It's the 150 at Haydock. Um, fascinating renewal, real focus on the top three in the market here. So your six to four favourite currently, well, co-favourites, Gaylord de Manil over from Ireland for Willie Mullins, Patrick Mullins coming over for the ride. Obviously, a Cheltenham Festival winner last seen in the Grand National, taking on Grey Dawning for the Skelton Yard at six to four, who had a very progressive season last season over hurdles and then made his start this season behind the very nice stay away Faye at Exeter that day when she when he got up and in the closing stages. But this horse ran an excellent race. And they're taking on Apple away at five to two, who's making her chase debut, having last been seen at Aintree 
winning the grade one there. So, Dan, those are just the top three, which is obviously where the market uh, is focused. Apple Aware, I should say, is five to two behind the six to four co-favorites currently. I, I don't even know where to start to unpick this, but I'm really looking forward to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I've got to oppose the top horse. He's... He's going from a Grand National to a 21 furlong race that, as Tony's mentioned, could be run on drying ground. I mean, he's not like a slow boat, but he was still pretty strong at the end of that Grand National. He's obviously got bags of stamina. I'd be worried about him cutting sharply back, giving weight away all round, first time back. I don't imagine Willie has earmarked the £50,000, let's mention it, Betfair Exchange graduation chase nice. as this horse's primary target for the season. It's sure the Grand National again. And... Much though I thought Grey Dawn is shaped really, really well, I'm going to go with the mare at the bottom, Apple away at those prices. She's third in. She's getting at least seven from the others. She won one of the warmest Seftons we've seen in recent times. So many winners have, have come out of it. Um, yes, admittedly on the day, Grey Dawning started a shorter price and didn't complete, but I think Apple away would have won regardless, just kept powering on from the front. And she's got pointing experience. Is it? Niggle, I suppose, always with a horse like her who just got better and better. Will she pick up in the same form right away? But she's the one I'd chance at those prices, Vanessa, five to two against. Certainly, if it was a match bet, I'd take Grey Dawn against Gaia de Vanille, but the main play would be to back Apple away. Okay, so a vote then for Apple away. Daryl, I'll come to you next. Um, are you with Dan with his main focus being to oppose Gaia de Vanille here? No, no, I'm with Gay Ardemanil. <laughs> ah. uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be with him. Um, he's very trip versatile. His he, seasonal return last year was chased on Mighty Potter in the Grade 1 Drimmore. He's having his third season over fences. His experience will count for plenty in here. Um, he stays all day. Like, he's the best horse in the race, even on weight-adjusted ratings. Like, he chased on Capadano the year before and is novice. Like... Like it's like your Sunday league team rocking up and playing Real Madrid the first first game of the season, and then today he's playing Leamington Spa. Like <laughs> I th I think he's the class act in the race. I think this is a good spot. Uh, Patrick comes over, takes the ride. I don't really see too many negatives with him, to be honest with you. And uh, I, I think he'll just win. I think he I think he's a good price at six to four. In all honesty. Right. Okay. Difference of opinion then between Daryl and Dan. So TC, it's over to you to settle it. Where do you land? Who are you with, Daryl or Dan? No, I'll be the referee in the middle separating them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be one shades, fight. This has shades of the novice chase um, last week when the sports book went up five to one, good risk at all, um, and it got backed into 15 to eight, and the sports book were proved correct, um, and they got the money. They went up six to one, Apple away first thing this morning. Well, it was trimmed into four to one early afternoon and it's now five to two. So they took it. I don't know why, how they took a view at six to one against Apple away, getting all that weight, um, you know, getting tons of weight from the top one. Um, the two outsiders could, could pester on the front end if they decided to use force and tactics over fences. Um, I'd probably marginally be with Apple away, but, um, uh, the five to two is just the right price now. It's you know it's all the all the ricks have gone, but we said that about the ricks about good risk at all last week, like I said, and um, the sports but odds compilers were right then. They might be right again, but at five to two, I'll sit this one out. All right, uh, let's roll on to the two twenty then, which is the Betfair serial winners stayers handicap hurdle. Watch out for the new serial winners that's coming out. This is over the three miles and half a furlong, and big prize pot up for grabs. Sixteen runners, close to the maximum field available. And Daryl, I'm going to start with you here. Uh, Crambo is your three to one co favorite with Slate Lane. Very different sort of profiles coming into this. Really, Slate Lane mopping up in those sort of handicap hurdles at Bangor and Newton Abbott for the Emmett Mullins operation in the Paul Byrne colours. Whereas meanwhile, Crambo is, you know, sort of graded class last season, made a good comeback run in a, in a more competitive race at Aintree when we last saw him. Uh, so different profiles, but the same price of three to one co-favourites currently. Behind them in the market, you've got Lord Snooty in there at six to one, Dubrovnik Harry in there for Harry Fry at nine to one, Bold Endeavour at tens. Those are just your top few. Um, this is, as you would expect for the prize part, ultra competitive. But is Slate Lane... 
the co-favourite at three to one because of the connections and what we know they can do with a horse like this? Potentially. Um, I, I found it very difficult to get a handle on him. Um, I, the, the, the bare form is not enough for him to be as short as he is. Uh, yeah. I couldn't really get a handle on sort of, he hasn't really done any sort of time figure that jumps off the page for me. That makes me go, wow, like he's miles ahead of the handicapper. He's up 14 pounds from his Newton Abbott win. So I don't know with him is the honest truth. Um, and typically when there's a horse in a race like that, I won't play, but I have, I have had a good go in this race. Um, I, I do like Crambo at the top of the market. I think, um, the return runner Aintree, I backed him there and Connor Brace barely moved on him. He was being very animated at the finish, but uh, he had tons underneath him. And uh, this has been the target for him. I think stepping up and trip is going to bring out further improvement in him. He's a dour stay. You see that from his uh, from his win at Sandown last season in, in the novice final. I think there's lots to like about him. I think there's upside to his mark of 139. I think he he potentially could sort of be one of those horses that steps out of handicap company down the line. Mm-hmm. I just think he's going very much the right way. He's run at Aintree last year when he finished seventh to Irish point. He, the, a faller fell right in front of him and he, you know, he, he was really badly hampered there. I thought he did well to finish where he did. I thought he tanked through that race. So I'm hoping they're going to be positive with him. I do like him. I think he's progressive. I think he's fairly handicapped, albeit he is towards the top of these weights. If they're, I'll, I'll, I'll just say I played Lord, Lord Snooty during the week because he was a double figure price and I didn't think uh, I knew he was going here and I thought that would be a bit much, but I expected the field's cup a bit more than it did. Um, there is one at a bigger price I'll just give a mention to. That's uh, Gosh How Posh for Philip Hobbs. This horse steamed home at Chepstow on his debut behind Nosley Road. Um, it was really quite remarkable. You haven't seen it. Go back and watch it. He, he made ground up hand over fist down the straight. He, he, he ran no sort of race at Weatherby next time. He hit every hurdle on the way round. And then at Utoxeter, he finished with running left behind a horse called Well Dick. Now, the, the collateral form, I won't go through it all, but it's worked out really well into sort of the mid-130s. But he could have done with a stronger pace. He's the type of horse that will relish a test like this. He's going to be a horse that's seen to best effect when he's getting a real strong test at three miles. He made his seasonal return at Exeter. He won on handicap debut there. Loads in hand at the finish. I just can see this horse... Um, going pretty close and, and he did have Lord Snooty in behind him at Chepstow on that debut run and he's a 16 to 1 shot Lord Snooty's down at 6 to 1 so I can see gosh how posh running well but my main play in this is going to be Crambo I'll be hoping for a, a convincing victory for Fergal O'Brien Okay Crambo currently 3 to 1 co-favourites and gosh how posh currently 16s has been sort of nibbled at from 25s and 20s in the market Um TC, we'll come back to you here. I'm hopeful that you will also be looking at a horse at a bigger price, maybe away from the top few. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the top, you can look, you can see either the top two winning, but not the kind of prices I play at in the 16 run handicap. Um, what I would say is the sportsbook are playing five places here, but be warned if there's a what even non one non runner. The five places will go to four places. That's an industry-wide standard thing that happened in the Greatwood last week when, you know, if firms were playing six places, went five, one on one and makes five into four. So bear that in mind um, if you are if you are playing on the race. Um, as Daryl said, Lord Snooty has been, well, for what money there would have been in the market, Lord Snooty was 25s and 20s on Tuesday, is now into sixes. That ship has long since sailed. Um, the the mover since the decks, annoyingly for me, uh, has been Dubrovnik Harry. 14s into 12s, into 10s, into 9s now with the sports book. Can fully see that um, after qualifying for attempts uh, when fourth at Cheltenham last month. That was quite an eye catcher. But he has got a hit and miss profile. And he needs, if, if you're going to run in the attempts, he needs to get cracking off a mark of 125. But I can see that running well. But I put up two early in the week. Um, I put up Shalker at 40s because it was, I thought, really needed to run at air. Um, and, but the one I'm going with here, even though it's two points bigger elsewhere, I think Emerton, 12, play, uh, 12 to 1, five places is as solid as you like. Um, beat Highland, two starts ago on his stables debut for Adam King. Came out and bumped into a Harry Durham stable switcher at Newbury last time. Uh, when seemed to be running all over that one, but just got worried out of it by a very, very dour, um, a hearty battler in that Durham horse, a uh, young butler. Um, he's officially three pound well in here. 
Um, and for as much as the top two of the market may have plenty in hand and more potential than this nine-year-old, the fact of the matter is that he's £3 well in and 125 handicap. He's 12 to 1, five places. If he runs his race, um, I'll be disappointed if he's not in the first five. But Are you worried about his, his, his Newbury form? Like He seems to be a better horse at Newbury these days. Are you worried about him coming away from that venue? No, no. He's, he's a course and distance runner at Haydock. Um, he's, he's, he's got winning form here. That doesn't bother me at all. No, um, I just thought he's the best handicap horse in the race, in very good form. He's still miles lower than his peak handicap hurdle rating a couple of years ago. I think he's got a lot going for him. Uh, like I said, he, he is clearly vulnerable to a younger, uh, sexier improver. But if you're looking for an each way bet, he's as solid as you like, I Okay. I was once described as that. What? A, sol- a solid a each young, way bet? A younger, sexier improver. Well, Been a while now, though, yeah. can't imagine that myself. <laughs> no, I can't. You look very pretty today, Dan. You've had a shave and everything. <laughs> yeah. The weekly yeah. shave. Nice. Um, should I? The the Emmitton case, I can see definitely TC. I think I'm going to keep him on side. There is a chance that Newbury falls strong. I was really keen on Bowl Endeavour that day, so I couldn't have him unplaced. And he ran basically as well as he could and was still held by those two. You mentioned the Derham Stable Switcher. But my main fancy is Lord Snooty. And um, thought he did remarkably well to finish seventh and not get beaten. 40 lengths at Galway, considering he basically sprawled to the floor at the second last. He's still a bit of an open book. He's open book, blank canvas. I'll say blank canvas, actually. Four goes in handicaps. He went from qualifying over shorter trips, hiked up to three and a quarter one day, was at Warwick and just ploughed through the mud. He's um, he's contested two fiercely competitive Irish handicaps in his last two starts. And he returned when Christian's horses probably weren't quite there yet, probably needing a run. So I thought he, he ran a smashing race behind Buddy One, of course, who came out and for 99% of that potential qualifier last week, looked like he might win it by 10 lengths rather than a length and a bit. And the pair were miles clear him with the newest one. Uh, I think Lars Nooty's got the potential to rate into the 130s easily. As an overall point, this is, not just saying it because it's Betfair, this is without question the strongest handicap hurdle this side of the festival mm-hmm. The list of winners is absolutely unbelievable. Like Paisley Park, Sam Spinner, Grand Crew won it. Chevy um, Chambaton won it. Dynast won it. It's an unbelievably hot race. You're going to have to be a stone well in, probably. I think that's basically what you have to do. Which one do I think could have a stone in hand? Not sure Emma Tom would, but I think he'll be solid from an each way perspective. I do think Lord Snooty may have. Okay. Well, we've mentioned plenty of prices here in the week, which is madness. What price is he in the week? He was 25s in a couple of places, 20s in one, the sports book of 14s. And when I was just when I was just like just about to file, the 14s went to 10s with the sports book. So his he price collapsed on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Well, we've thrown plenty of darts at the old board there. So hopefully one of us will have mentioned the winner. Of one of you, I should say, will have mentioned the winner. That was uh, like a TV. There was like a TV tipping service. That wasn't it. <laughs> Mention all twenty horses as they're going in the stalls, and then just yeah. clip up the winner. Welcome <laughs> to the. <laughs> um, let's move on, guys. This is the big one. The three o'clock is, of course, the Betfair Chase, the Grade One, three miles, one and a half furlongs for just four runners to get through. But it is a classy four runners. We've got Brave Man's Game, your eight to eleven favourite. After the defeat at Weatherby in the Charlie Hall, Daryl Jacob in the saddle, controversially. I'm sure we'll talk about that maybe on Wade In on Monday. Harry Cobden down at Ascot, which of course we will be getting to in due course. And Brave Man's Game takes on last year's winner, Protectorat, for Dan Skelton and Harry Skelton, 15 to 8. They're as bullish as ever about their runner in this. Royal Pagal, who's run so well here before at 9 to 1. And Corrick Rambler is your 10 to 1, the Grand National winner. He's the outsider of the four after that somewhat below par reappearance run. But of course, his focus will be elsewhere towards the end of the season. So, who should we start with first? TC. Seeing as you're ill, I'll be kind to you. You can take the big no, one. No, no, don't. Never be kind to me. I'm you the kind of person you kick when they're down. Um, <laughs> and stab me with your stilettos, Vanessa. Let's go and do it. Um, I hope Corrick Rambler wins. Oh. I must be getting soft because I'm feeling a bit rough because I just I just thought that would just be a great story and 
It'd be a brilliant training performance if Lucinda Russell can get that horse back from Kelsey. It's almost serious, Tony. That's the most sentiment I've ever heard you spout. I know. Like I said, I, I really do, will do want that to win. Nine nine nine. Yeah, yeah. I um, Raw guy. Obviously, everyone was backing that early in the week each way, weren't they? When they thought it was going to be heavy stroke soft. If it's good to soft, that probably won't. He does go on good to soft, but obviously his his best performances in the Peter Marshall have come on hot deep ground. Um, the market's corrected itself uh, as it should be. Brave Man's Game is a far, far better horse than Protector at. Um, eight to 11 is a little bit punchy from the sports book, but obviously they want to keep him on side, which is fair enough. Um, no, I think the betting's about right. Um, I think Brave Man's Game is by far the most likely winner. Um, and yeah, yeah, I hope Correct Rambler wins though. Oh, you big softy. I know. Love it. They did. I was actually up at uh, Hexham yesterday and had a chat with Derek Fox, who is pretty level. You know, he's kind of a flat line type of guy. And, you know, I know they're not going to say otherwise, but it did seem even from him quite a positive update in terms of this horse's well-being, how he's come out of that comeback run and the justification for it being a little bit lacklustre, which is what I think many of us felt. Daryl, let's come to you first. Obviously, just the four runners, so it's pretty straightforward. Just a simple case of what wins it, please. It's weird, this. This is weird. It's it's not like Paul to send Brave Man's Game out 21 days later like this. I don't think. I think it's a bit... I don't know. I'm a bit suspect of the race, really. Um, I'm a bit wary of it, to be honest. I think... You could easily argue that Brave Bear's game could probably be about five to eight pounds below his best and probably still win this. You could also argue if it's a prep run for the for the King George, he could finish second and earn himself 42 grand rather than having an away day. Um, I think there's lots of avenues you can look at this race. I think my gut is telling me, though, that this is Protectorat's number one aim. This is his target. This is what Dan Skelton has aimed him at. This is not an afterthought as perhaps it is with Brave Man's Game. Um, he's got an excellent first time out record. Um, that, that, he's had a wind operation. Everything is just pointing to me to, to, to protect her at um, and Brave Man's Game perhaps running well, but uh, with a view to the future. Um, Royal Pagai has been behind Protector at a number of times. It's, it's very difficult to see him return, reverse the form. Corrick Ramble, I'm not entirely sure we'll have the pace to cope with this if it turns tactical. I think it's up between the top two, as the market suggests. I think Protector at is probably the right price. I'll just watch. And if I can get to nine to four somewhere on the day on Protector at, then I'll probably back him. Okay. So then, Dan, are you of the view that... You know, as Daryl said there, this seems to be Protectorat's number one aim for the season. The one day that matters for them and him. Seem They seem to have pinpointed this. And of course, why not after the victory last year? Whereas Brave Man's games, like one aim for the season. Well, I think, yeah, would probably be the King George, wouldn't it? So, well, King George Gold Cup again, won't it, I think? Yeah, yeah. King George Gold Cup. But in the short term, the King George. So... Are you of that view that this may well still be a stepping stone for Brave Man's game? Um, to some extent, but well, Paul doesn't tend to pass up opportunities like this, does he? He's a, as we always say, he's a very punchy trainer who has a crack. Um, I think Ralph Pagai is probably certainty because I'm about to complete the quick, the clean sweep of tipping everything else in the race because I'm, oh, <laughs> I'm back in Corrat Ramble. Like, I remember did. Uh, racing TV that day and at the start of the show, like probably oh, well, he, he was six to four or something overnight at Kelso on his return, which was obviously a silly price. A uh, hundred to thirty. I'm I'm thinking we'll have to back him. And then he walked into the paddock and he'd done less fitness work than I had. I think it was so obvious. I knew I he, I knew he was grossly unfit first time back. It was a means to an end, as it had been the previous year, if you recall, when he ran at Carlisle. He was he needed that as well for sharpness. So. I, I just retain a belief that the way this horse has won Ultimas and Grand, uh, Grand National as he did to make it look so routine to win that race, I maintain a faith that he is potentially Gold Cup caliber. The key point, as Daryl said, really, is that he might not be sharp enough if this becomes a crawl and sprint race, but he's nine to one and I'm happy to back him win only and, and pay to find out. But uh, it's a big weekend potentially, isn't it, for the Gold Cup picture? Because as we'll go on to discuss at Ascot as well, you've got Shishkin running there, 
Korat Rambler. This will be a, a lively market. I'm sure it's something that Daryl will be reflecting on in his new pod. And likewise, there'll be a bit of chat and wade in, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. We must kick on because we still have all of Ascot to get through in one race at Haydock 2 still. Um, the next race is the 335. It is the Betfair free racing multiple today, Handicap Chase. And it's over the three miles, one and a half furlongs. Famous Bridge is your three to one favorite here. Credit next best at four to one. Doc picked me there at nine to one. Those, uh, sorry, nine to two. Those are your top three in the market. TC, your selection here, please. Um, wanted to be with Famous Bridge, not a three to one. I'm not. Um, right. Seven's are in the week. Well, no, it's cut up a little bit. <laughs> Must okay. kill you the some of these, Tony. <laughs> What's that? They must kill you some of these when you say, oh, seven. No, I, no, I, I say I've, a lot of the lot of the prices aren't, you know, aren't, aren't really available anyway. But um, even even just looking at it with a fresh pair of glasses, I think freeze is a little bit too short. Mm-hmm. Um, I can fully see the case for him winning. But um, I think at, at the current prices, I thought the um, the 12 to 1 about the horse uh, named after Dan, uh, Barley Body, mm-hmm. Uh, is um, <laughs> I think he's a what? I think he's a. I think he's a. He's a decent uh, win only bet at twelve. The reason why I'm going win only is even though ideally I want to be each way with with famous bridge in the race. Um, is obviously because the uh, the bounce factors are going to get banded around with this horse. Um, obviously had his first start since winning at uh, Sandown in December 2021. When running a great race um, on his comeback, uh, Weatherby. Um, the thing that makes me, I was going to leave him alone, but I just I went back and had a look at that comeback race, and he was given a really easy time of it. So the fact that he wasn't hard trained for that, and he was a big drifter as well that day, which allies to the fact that I think he might, you know, they might have used it as a stepping stone for something like this rather than having him drilled first time up. He he was nice to 16s on the show, went off at bet for SB at 90.5. So I think if he progresses from that rather than regresses, I think he might be hard to pick out the pick, uh, pick uh, kick out the frame. But okay. with that bounce in mind, 12s win only Barley Body. But famous bridge has got a very obvious chance, but the betting tells you that. Dan, over to you here. Yeah, so I, I am I'm happy enough with threes for a horse in Famous Bridge who he's bound to benefit from the trip, isn't he? I think that Newcastle form will work out well. And he's going back, he's not just going back to three miles, he's going beyond three miles. And he he was wrong at the last. You'd say that could have knocked the stuffing out of him. And he just came home with a rattle again. He was only just getting going, really. He's still unexposed. It's St. Nick's time of year, isn't it, Nicky Richards? But I do think I am going to keep a really solid horse on side as well. I don't mind backing two in this. The others was Dill Dundalk, who I just think he's bound to run really well. He's been totally reinvented by Lisa Harrison into like a staying chaser after ages in those Tedham colours with John Durin over two miles and stuff. He's he's evidently much better over this sort of trip. He's had a really consistent time of things, keeps running well and keeps running into horses that I just think are quite interesting. Like it was Houston, Texas. He had the misfortune of meeting at Carlisle in a race he'd won the year before, but he's very likely to run well, but given a choice, would I rather back him at sevens or famous bridge at threes? I think there's absolutely more in famous bridges price for the win perspective. Right. Final word on Haydock then to you, Daryl, who do you fancy in that before we move down to Ascot? No strong opinion. I, I, I thought Famous Bridge was the right favourite, but as the lads have said, uh, Freeze is, is, is getting on the short side for me personally. I'd be okay. looking to see if there's any spark in Captain Nord uh, with a view to Christmas at Kempton um, in this race. So no bet for me. Okay, no bet race for Daryl then. Let's move down to Ascot. We've got three races to cover at Ascot and we start with the big one down there, the 1965 Chase, the grade two, two and a half miles and we get to see the return of Shishkin taking on Pick Dory who, of course, he beat here at Ascot in the Ascot Chase back in February. They reopposed. Shishkin is 8-13, to 13, top of the market, taking on Pick Dory, 13-8. to 8. Apparently, the reason that Harry Cobden has gone to Ascot. Manella Drama in there at 12-1. to 1, And Straw Fan Jack is your 25-1 to 1 outsider of the four. Another small field, Daryl, but we won't... Uh, we won't focus in on that. All we want to know is, is Shishkin the good thing? Well, I don't like the cheek pieces added for the first time. 
You like, don't. No, no, I don't. Like he, he's recording RPRs in 178 and 175. Like, how much more do you think there's to week out? Like, Jesus, do you know? <laughs> I what suppose I mean? it's to try and stop him, you know, he can he can drop the bridge sometimes, can't he? And yeah, yeah, but I, I, he can also, you know, they can also not take to him as well, can't they? Mm. Just just as quickly. So yeah, I, I thought he was a, a good thing for this, but yeah, I'd, I'd leave that alone. If, if, if I would leave that alone, just with the cheapest on. Look, I love him. I think he's a cracking horse, and I think you go right hand, left hand, whichever way you want. Um, he's a horse that I like in terms of the Gold Cup. Uh, I just didn't expect the cheap piece to come on first time. So, no, I think Pictoria run well. Harry Cobden's here for a reason. Um, I think they'll have him rev to the nine. So if Shishkin does put a foot wrong, Pictoria pick up the pieces. It's as simple as that. There's, there's no better angle for me. Okay. Dan, are you? do you have a betting angle in here or are you of the opinion like Daryl that it's more of a sit back and enjoy for the future type of race? Uh, yeah, but I don't have a better angle. I think it's 10 to 1 that he wins the Gold Cup. I mean, it's not, it's not the podcast for it. I can't believe he's twice, more than twice the price of Jerry Colomb. This is one of the best chasers of the last decade and has had one go at the trip and he's seen off a high senior in his cup final, really strong at the finish. Um, that's the only thing I'd do. Wouldn't play in the race itself. Just think what he did to pick Doy when he met him last season, though. He just completely embarrassed him. Yeah, that is true. Um, Tony, do you think that Pick Dory has any chance in this situation of turning the tables with Shishkin? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I spoke to Nico this morning and they have worked Shishkin in cheap pieces at home. Uh, which is why they're persevering here. They just want to. They just want to just like make the horse run a bit more kindly. Now, in, in a race scenario, if that happens, who knows? Uh, I wouldn't be with him at that price. I wouldn't be with Pick Dory. I back Manella Drama at fourteens. Um, he's race fit. He's on official rating. I'm not sure what the time form guys say, but on official ratings, he's. Um, Basically, the same horse as Pictori and just a ridiculously bit much bigger price. And he ran really yeah, two well. Two pound difference, that's all. As I said, I mean, the prices make no sense whatsoever when you consider Midella Drama's come out, run a really good second in the old row, and he only got wheeled in when he had about a 24 miles running. <laughs> and, so, and he wants to go right handed as well, as well uh, doesn't he? Minella Drama 14s and 12 uh, in a place, and the 12s with the sports book is eminently. Backable, and I think he should be about six, seven to one shot. Milan, wow. drama for me. It's all, all about right. the price, and 12s is too big. Looking forward to seeing how it unfolds. Let's move on to the grade two hurdle over the two miles, three and a half furlongs, the Ascot hurdle, and we get to see Goshen here. 15 to 8 Goshen is back. Obviously, we last saw him on the flat, flopping on the flat, but we last saw him on the flat. Back over hurdles now, the enigma that is, taking on Theatre Glory at 11 to 4. And Blue King Doro Darrell, who at 9 to 2, with Harry Cobden in the saddle in those colours again, is that an angle in for why he's at Ascot 2, throwing him into the mix, such a progressive young horse. I thought he's interesting and and Paul speaks very fondly of this individual too. So he caught my attention in here. But Goshen, on his old form, would wipe the floor with these, wouldn't he? But we just yeah. don't know. Will yeah, the real no. Goshen please show up? Well, they, they've made like catastrophic mistakes with him throughout his career, haven't they? Sending him chasing, sending him left-handed. Holding him up like like I backed him at Sandown in April, right? And in the select hurdle, one by Napper's Hill, expecting him just to revert back to his old ways where he just goes out in front and just bulldozes them. And it strangled him to death in a slowly run race, and it turned into a sprint, and he got done by a neck. Like I don't, I don't understand what's going on. Like if he pops out here at Ascot, Ascot is a is a is a. If you can get a front runner, if you can get a, a soft lead on the front end at Ascot, you you see Nickerbock Glory do it the other week, like. You've got a massive advantage. That's what I would hope Goshen would do. So if he does that, I'll be backing him in running um, if he goes off and does that. But you just don't know what you're going to get from him. No, Houlihan's on. He's a good jockey. I like, I like no. Um, I just don't know what they're going to do with him, really. The ground drying as well is probably not in his favour. Um, and he's got to give a £6 penalty away. I was going to give a, a chance to another chance to strong leader the outside of the field. I think the step up in triple suit him. I thought that was too bad to be true, really, at Foslas in the Welsh Champion Hurdle. Uh, perhaps he desperately needed the outing, I don't know. But drying ground is definitely in his favour. He's on an upward curve, if you ignore that last run. It was an excellent fast-finishing second to win the pocket at Aintree in the top 
um, novice hurdle at the end of last yeah. season. If you can just put a line through that seasonal return run, he's uh, I think he's good value as the outside of the field at eleven to two. So I'm going to forgive him for his seasonal return and hopefully he puts his best foot forward here. Yeah, strongly. They're currently eleven to two with Betfair on the sports book. Dan Barber, uh, is it all about tactics with Goshen as Daryl's sort of highlighted there in terms of run style and what they do with him? If they get it right, will he win this? Well, Ghosh and I suffered an extremely high-profile breakup in that triumph hurdle a few years ago and still not quite forgiven him for what happened that day. Um, fundamentally, I don't think the race last year was very good. Bruno Storm ended up winning a national spirit after it, but the other two were complete no-hopers, Utrecht and for pleasure, wasn't it? And he had one horse to beat. He gave him weight, but... He got beaten on every other start last season. I think that's the thing that applies to a few. Like, So Royal has won one of his last 12 starts. Oh, boy. I know, I know it's a function often of running in races that he's just not quite good enough for, but that win was at 4-9 to nine in an elite hurdle, which he couldn't really lose. So I'm with strong leader. And Darren mentioned the strong finish. It was absolutely unbelievable the way he sprinted up the running at Aintree. Definitely shaped like a horse who would be who would stay that trip now. I, I'm like Daryl. If he'd have finished second on his reappearance, he'd have probably been 11-4, to four, not 11-2, to two, and maybe even shorter. I don't know what happened. It was a poor run, but Aintree was so striking. And this also I've, um fell in love with when he walked into that Warwick paddock. He's the best-looking horse you'll ever see. He's oh. running over a trip that I think will suit. And, yeah, worth another chance. That's the way I read it, and like Daryl did. Wow, okay, so two votes for the outside of strong leader. Are you going to make it three, TC? No. Um, I mean, Goshen's a shocking price at 15 to 8. Ground to be too quick. Poor run in the Cesarich. Hasn't got his normal jockey on. Um, very inconsistent. And I don't think he's going to get... If they if they do want to go from the front, they've got Theatre Glory and Blue King through that could also... Uh, Sort of buy for take the lead. Um, I thought Fear to Glory 11 to 4, freezing the place, probably should be favourite. Trip and ground, bang up her street. Uh, great record when fresh, just a, a, a mishap at Newbury last year when unseated. But apart from that, exemplary record when fresh, getting weight, I'd have Fear to Glory as favourite myself. Right. All and right then. Stable again, great guns as well. So everything in its favour. Lots of positives, split opinions then in the Ascot hurdle. Let's move on. Last race that we need to cover from Ascot is the handicap chase. Two miles, one furlong and eight runners here, a dead eight. And I hope they all show up because for the prize fund, it deserves a proper race and an each way betting feel as well. Boot Hill is your 15 to eight favourite and lots of form in here from those that met him when he won last time, including lights of Frere Darm for the Skeleton Yard at five to one, saying Segal in there at five to one, also behind Boot Hill that day. Also further down, you've got the likes of Funambul Savola, who finished a long way off Boot Hill at 12 to one and splitting them in the market is triple trade. And also we should mention Corrigine Rock for Lucinda Russell's Yard, four to one, looking for the third win on the bounce, having started his season so well. And Daryl, I'm going to start to, I'm going to come to you first here, uh, because when Boot Hill was running in the preview show we did for when he ran at Ascot, I pitched it to you, which Boot Hill will show up essentially. And the right one showed up. And now can he do it again, back here again? He's off, obviously off a higher mark. Are we expecting more of the same from him, even more improvement even? Well, it could definitely be a defining season for him if he's going to continue to run like that because he looked like a graded horse in a handicap, didn't he? He's three for three in handicaps. Two of them come here at Ascot. He's got very similar conditions again. Um, yeah, there's not. I mean, it's it's hard to knock him, really, isn't it? A mark of 155 on the evidence of the last day beating first flow by four lengths, who was 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 on a going day first flow. Um, he's going to be very hard to beat. Uh, Freya Darms is. It's a horse I'll continue to say is well handicapped. He's going to put it all together one day and uh, absolutely route a field. But whether or not that'll be today, keep cutting out like a light. That, that, that's a concern for me. Um, Orkham Risk is £11 better off with uh, with Boot Hill for his uh, length defeat in the way with Novice's Lad last year. That's quite interesting. And he's had a few entries over fences and it's quite interesting that they pitch up here. Um, so he... 
I, I like him. I, I thought triple tra- trade. I thought I'd give him another go. Um, he impressed me at Cheltenham the last day. He, he, fa- he finished very strongly. He had loads of left, loads left in the tank uh, crossing the line. The time was really good. The time before as well was good uh, behind uh, dancing on my own. He's a progressive horse. They turn him out quickly and rightly so for a 65 grand pot um, under a penalty. If he's none the worse eight days on, I think he'll be in the th- thick of the finish. So uh, he looks a good bit of value at 13 to two for me. Triple trade. Interesting. Okay. Triple trade. Yeah. 13 to two. Uh, Dan, what about you in here? Well, I read it one of two ways. There's plenty of pace on, but this is a track where, you know, you can tear off. And if you can secure that lead without being really pestered and you're a sound jumper, you can, you can just maintain it better. And you, you break horses who then try and make up the ground over the big offenses. And, I view it one of two ways. It's either Peso Collapso and they'll set it up for Frere Darm, who got to two out still on the bridle. I I probably am being slightly too charitable because, as Daryl said, it's not the first time, but I think he might just have needed it. Um, he, he went through the race really, really encouragingly, though, until he was sort of landed wrong-footed at the second last. Uh, the other scenario I view, and at the prices, the one I'd like more is Orkan Risker just to go off hard as he did in a Betfair hurdle and get into a rhythm that the others can't really live with, even if they're normal front runners. 11 pound turnaround with Boot Hill that Daryl mentioned from, yeah, he got a great ride and Boot Hill was value for extra, but I don't think it was value for 11 pounds extra that day. And yeah, I, I think he's on a really good mark having been minded over hurdles in, in the interim. It's 125 grand race and Chris Gordon's very switched on. I wouldn't be surprised if this has been the target rather than those two hurdles runs. Okay, so Orkin Risk for Dan, Triple Trade for Daryl, both the two horses in there that are away from that uh, Boot Hill form line from last time. And is that where you're looking, TC, kind of away from that race, focusing on elsewhere? Um, I'll be with the sportsbook, really. They, they're they ducking Corrigine Rock at fours. So they're to two elsewhere. And I'd be, I think they probably called it right. Now, the pace in here, as the lad said, is going to be key. I had Corrigine Rock down as leading, actually. I'm not sure if they'll go from over, with the front with Auckland, go over fences, but I love this Corrigine Rock's attitude. Um, I, I think there's loads more to come from him. Initially, I thought that rise uh, for that Kempton win last time was a bit excessive, but you go and look at the form and, you know, um, the second win into that race, a very progressive horse on the hat-trick, the third and fourth were progressive horses, the fifth excitations has come out of one since. Um, if they can get Coral Green Rock out the front, um, you know, and like I said, he's got a really good attitude. If anything comes in, he might beat him off. But um, yeah, I mean, if you can get the top end of the market, I think Coral Green Rock is a fair, fair price. Okay, split opinions then in our last at Ascot. Right, just one race to cover from Punchestown, guys. That is, of course, the Morgiana Hurdle. Uh, just the four runners declared against State Man, who's your favourite in here for the Willie Mullins Yard. Paul Townend, obviously, in the saddle after his terrific season last year where his only blip, well, it wasn't a blip, but his only defeat was that behind Constitution Hill in the champion hurdle at Cheltenham. He then got back on track at Punchestown and he's a pretty decent individual, more than a pretty decent individual. He's taking on here Pied Piper, Echoes in Rain and Phil Duderis as well. Um, essentially, Daryl, like this is just Stateman's starting point for the season and he wins it, doesn't he? Price, prices suggest that that's the case too. Yeah, it's a cooked cake, isn't it? <laughs> um, I think <laughs> the, the way the market's priced it, I think is, is exactly how they'll finish. Um, it's hard to say much more than that to be quite right. honest if Barry can give a price it, we're extending the forecast to the, the quadcast first yeah. order <laughs> you don't need to say much more than that Daryl I think we can keep this pretty simple and TC unless you've got anything more to add we will move on yeah, yeah I, I totally disagree Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking a piss. I backed oh. Echoes in Rain at 15 to 2. I think I think she's an enormous. I honestly thought you were joking when I with your face. No, 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 no. I, I backed her. I backed her 15 to 2. I'm trying to get on sevens elsewhere as well. I, I think it I think the market is is priced badly. I mean, on of the sex allowances taken into consideration, I only got six pounds to find. Race fit. Um I just, this race is uh, down the years, this race, I mean. 
I, I, you've got Nickel, uh, sorry, the um, Willie Mullins has had horses beaten at sixes on, five to two on, twice in this race since 2015. And each occasion, they've been beaten by a stable mate. And I just think if Phil Duderiz and Stateman go there, I mean, Echoes in Rain's a real good traveller. And if she sells, they haven't got the hood on here, but they didn't have the hood on for the free runs on the flat either. I just think I can envisage a, a scenario where State Man, and he wasn't overly impressive when winning this race last year. Um, all day long, I'll be backing Echoes in Rain at 15 to 2. Even on official ratings, she's only got £6 to find. And she said that run, that second in the group three on the flat recently. Um, and I'm being serious here. Yeah, I think 15 to 2 over fours on State Man. 101 times out of 100. And I've had a decent. Okay, well, we thought he was taking the piss, but he wasn't, Dan. So I, won't, <laughs> I won't just brush past you then, in case you have something. What? What? Um, what is, on, on adjusted ratings, what have you got? Um, and obviously, the last time we saw Echoes in range, she was actually gagging up in a in a grade one here over two mile three. I just think if it's a strongly run race and she's a traveller, she could well nick it. Uh, one seven six statement adjusted. One seventy Echoes. One six five. One five nine. The other two, Elliot Pear. There you go. Dan, do you have anything more to add? No, no, I don't. Not a, okay. not a better race for me. Yeah, no better race then. In which case, we have rattled through all the ITV races on Saturday. Terrestrial Channel, main focus, up at Haydock, Betfair Chase Day. I want your naps, boys, your naps, please. Um, Daryl, I'm going to start with you. What is your nap of Saturday? Uh, I'm going to go say a fairly decent price. I'm going to go strong leader of the 205 at Ascot. Oh yeah, well, very valid case made. I can, I like that commitment to the cause. TC, your nap, please. Uh, One fifteen Haydock Park Annunciate. Oh yeah, and Dan Barber, you'll know your fate early. TC, Dan Barber, what's your nap? Uh, Three thirty-five Haydock Famous Bridge. Oh, that's such a hard question. Oh, oh, you just had to get through. You just had to rush through it like a little yeah. panic. <laughs> panic nap um look guys thank you very much as always what a weekend of racing we have to look forward to it's going to be an absolute cracker genuinely really looking forward to it a bit disappointed i have to go to my bloody cousin's wedding luckily she's not a racing fan so she won't be listening but little does she know it was an important race day um don't forget the offer of course completely free bet on racing multiples this weekend but you need to read the t's and c's do it responsibly and opt in. In the meantime, thank you very much for watching and listening. Join us again on Monday when we will be back with Wade In. But for now, have a good weekend, everyone. Bye.